Here we go. Welcome back. This is the Welcome to the Jungle Podcast Week 7 Recap. Alex Frank with you, Justin Cashman joining me as always. And um, Justin, I, I don't know if I was dreaming yesterday or last night or still today. Let me let, let me make sure that I um let me, let me make sure that what I saw yesterday was actually correct. So there was a football game yesterday. The Cincinnati Bengals went into Baltimore to take on the Ravens for first place. In the AFC North, and uh, let's see, the the Bengals won yesterday. That much is a reality. But here's what I'm still stunned about. Whoa, whoa, 41 to 17, 41 to 17 on the road against the Ravens, a team that beat the Bengals by a combined 59 points last year. Justin, this is just Justin. This is incredible. How quick of a turnaround! It is against the Ravens. How quick of a turnaround this is for the franchise being in first place, already surpassing last year's win total. I mean, simply, what 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 do you have to say just right off the top? I mean, there's quite frankly no words for it. And at this point, we're not just talking about the Bengals as being the best team in the division. We're talking about them being one of the best teams in all of football. I mean, they're the number one seed. If the season ended right now, they would have the number one seed in the playoffs in the AFC conference. I mean, that is just to go from last year being four eleven and one to this year starting off five and two, beating the Baltimore Ravens, a team that was five and one going into this game, leading the conference, and we go into their house and beat them by twenty four points and give up seventeen points when they were averaging twenty eight point three points a game, which was seventh in the NFL. I mean I, I honestly, at points, I cannot believe what I was watching. When you saw Jamar Chase go for that 82-yard touchdown, do, breaking three tackles, doing a little fancy spin move, it reminded you of when the Bengals and A.J. Green would go into Baltimore, the Raven killer, as they would call him, A.J. Green, would go into Baltimore and just pit up otherworldly numbers and just go off. And that's exactly what yesterday reminded me of. And, you know, I think the best thing that happened yesterday was – all, all season, we've been saying this defense is obviously very, very good, one of the best in the entire NFL. Um, and when this offense can catch up to them, it's going to be hard for any team to beat the beat the Bengals. When this offense can finally start putting up the numbers and the points that we all knew they could, it's going to be tough to stop them. And what did they do? They did exactly that. They put up 41 points. I mean, 30 points is something that they did for the first time this season since last year, week 16, against Houston. So they hadn't been up 30 points in a long time. And then they go into Baltimore, a team that prides themselves on their physical play on defense. And to pit up 41 points, Joe Burrow, 416 passing yards, three touchdowns. I mean, it's hard to even be that I'm saying those things right now because I don't think anyone was guessing that was going to happen. Not me, not you. I think a lot of people thought the Bengals might win this game. And, I mean, I, w- I said to myself, I'm not going to be surprised if the Bengals win this game because of the way they're playing defensively. But to beat them by 24 points, it is just not something I have seen in a very, very long time, if ever, as a Bengals fan. The last time the Bengals scored 40 points in a game, I mean, gosh, now I've got the wheels turning thinking about the last time that occurred. 
Have they ever done it in the Zack Taylor era? I don't believe they have. If my memory serves me correctly, Justin, I don't believe they have. And how about this? Joe Burrow is now the only quarterback to ever against the Ravens. And it only goes back to, and, and, and the Ravens' history, remember, what makes them so unique is their history only goes back to 1996, and yet you feel like they've had a long history of success, as we de- as I detailed on Friday, on last week's preview show. Joe Burrow is now the only quarterback in the Ravens' franchise history to throw for 400 yards and three touchdowns in a game. 400 yards and three touchdowns. By the way, this is now his third straight road game with a win and with three or more touchdown passes. And this comes after he threw three interceptions on the road in Chicago. I I was critical of Joe Burrow. I said, it's time to start evaluating him on wins and losses. Okay, how's four and one your last five games? And the only loss, as we talked about, was a game that the Bengals should have won, but we felt okay. If the Bengals can play with Green Bay, they can play with any team in the league. And not only that, they can pummel Baltimore. I mean, that's the stunning part about this, Justin, is you go into a place where John, where the Ravens were 80-27 and 27 under John Harbaugh, which goes back to the start of the 2008 season. 80-27. and 27. They don't lose much at home. And you go in there... And you handle their physicality early, which we'll get to. And then, with the game hanging in, hanging in the balance in the third and fourth quarters, Joe Burrow just said, let's go. Let's win. The defense stayed in attack mode the entire game. And so, too, did the offense. They took the lead in the blink of an eye. They extended the lead. And the next thing you knew... They were running the ball straight down the Ravens' throats to close out the game. Again, it's just stunning because of what's happened against the Ravens in recent years and the fact that here this Bengals team is way ahead of schedule. But in in saying that, this is a legitimate team. As you said, the offense has caught up to the defense. And good luck for any team. In the AFC, maybe the NFL, trying to stop this team. Think about think about this too, Justin. Last year on this Monday, after Week Seven, the Bengals had just lost to the Browns. They're one five and one. There's drama in the locker room. Carlos Dunlap is out the door. And now, one year later, the Bengals are five and two, and the number one seed in the AFC. It's a remarkable turnaround. All due to this team buying in to Zach Taylor and the coaching staff. It truly is a remarkable story, isn't it? It is. And if I were to tell you, or if I were to have told you last year after that Browns game, that this time the following season, the Bengals would have beaten the Baltimore Ravens 41 to 17 on the road and have the sole lead in the AFC conference for the number one spot. You would be like, shut the hell up. Get out of here. You're lying. Whatever. But it's true. And what Zach Taylor has done for this team and what these coaches have done for this team, Lou Anaruma especially, we'll get more to him in a minute and the fantastic job that he's done this year. But Zach Taylor, uh, Lou Anaruma, Brian Callahan, uh, and Mike Brown and the Blackburn Blackburn family and just this entire organization, 
the things that they have done to get this team to become what Zach Taylor has wanted it to be all along. And that is not just, you know, a team that wins, but to have a winning culture. And we talked about it in the last show was there's a difference between teams that win games and teams that have a winning culture. Any team can win a game in the NFL. Any team can, you know, on any given Sunday, upset another team, um, go into their house and beat them. But to have a winning culture is to expect excellence every single week and to expect the guy beside you on your left and to your right to perform to their highest level because they care about you and they want to do the best that they can do because they know that this is this is their livelihood. This is everything that they've wanted for their entire life. And that all they want to do is win. And the first two years of Zach Taylor's tenure here with the Cincinnati Bengals, he was playing not to lose. He wasn't playing to win. He was playing not to lose. And that was probably his biggest um, problem was that, you know, he would go down into these games and be so close and he was he didn't want to lose and he would just be conservative and excuse me and he would he would be conservative and we'd end up losing the game now we're being aggressive now we're taking shots down the field we have the right pieces on both sides of the ball to make the plays and do the things that we want to do and the turnaround is something like i've never seen before in the entire nfl in the past few seasons um and it's just i mean you go you win this game you go into next week against the beaten up new york jets and one and five new york jets and there's just no end in sight right now for this team. And all I can say is that I think the Bengals are going to keep getting better and better and better and beating off these wins and capitalizing off these wins. And, I mean, I'll say right now if the Bengals make the playoffs, and I know we're far away, far ways away from that, if the Bengals make the playoffs, I'm scared for any team that has to play us right now. And in the regular season, too. I'm looking at the schedule. You know, I looked at the schedule, um, you know, at the beginning of the year, and, we, you know, we make our yearly predictions, you know, Bengals – you know, maybe eight and nine, nine and eight. Now I'm looking at the schedule. I'm saying there's not too many teams that I'm really, you know, confident that the Bengals would lose to. I mean, before the season started, I'm like, yeah, we'd probably lose to the Chiefs. Yeah, we'll lose to the Ravens, probably the Browns. Yeah, more than likely, we'd probably lose to the Browns. You texted me yesterday. I'm, we're not scared about losing to the Browns now. No, the Browns should be the Browns should be scared about losing to us. No I'm way, no way, are we losing to Cleveland? I'm not scared about the Ravens anymore. I just saw us pit 41 up on the Ravens and kick their ass in Baltimore. I'm not scared about them. I'm not scared about Pittsburgh. I'm not scared about the Chiefs right now. I'm not scared about the Chargers. I'm not scared of any team in the NFL. These teams should be scared of the Bengals. And when's the last time that we said that? I don't know. And Peter King brought up a great point this morning. Justin, I don't know if you read Peter King's Football Morning in America column. Um, He brought up a great point this morning. And it was when the Bengals had Andy Dalton. They were good. We know that. I mean, they made the playoffs five straight years. But to your point just now, do you think the Steelers and the Ravens ever feared that offense that the Bengals had with Andy Dalton at the helm? Never. Not once. Okay. It was a good It was a good offense. Now, now you said A.J. Green, and we all know he used to torch the Ravens. By the way, if my memory serves me correctly without looking at box scores and whatnot— Jamar Chase's 201 yards yesterday, I believe, is the first time that a Bengals wide receiver has eclipsed 200 yards receiving in a game since A.J. Green had 227 against the Ravens back in 2015, Week 3, at Baltimore. So we saw what A.J. Green did to Baltimore, but now we've got Jamar Chase. The Bengals have Jamar Chase doing it. 
And it, to your point about culture, Justin, which we talked about a lot in our last show, and we've talked about it a lot the last two seasons, this year and last year. In the first two seasons, Zach Taylor and the Bengals would win games, but think of how sparse that they, they were. Think of how spread out the wins were. They'd win against Jacksonville, but then their next win didn't come for another month. And then their next win didn't come until two months, essentially. Like, there was no consistency. And that's the and that was the problem with the team. There was progress made last year. You saw it a little bit. But this year, it's okay. There's a winning culture here. Did you know this, Justin? There are four players off the top of my head that I can name. There are four players on this team who played in the 2019 College Football Playoff National Championship. Joe Burrow, Jamar Chase, T. Higgins, Jackson Carmen. So that right there are four players who have played at the highest level of the level just below the NFL, college football. The Bengals have the Heisman Trophy winner from 2019 and the Fred Belidnikoff winner for the best receiver in college football from 2019 on the roster. And then we mentioned all the free agent acquisitions and where they came from and their winning pedigrees. This team is not associated with the narratives of past where if the Bengals were good, how are they going to find a way to, to, to mess it up or whatever it was? No. This is new. It's a fresh start. This team is bought in. This team is united. CJ Uzama mentioned yesterday how tight the locker room is, the brotherhood that, you know, they've built. And that's what just makes this team so fun to root for. I don't care where this team goes the rest of the season. Make the playoffs, win a playoff game, whatever. I'm just excited every week to watch them play and to see how good they can be and they can build off of this kind of performance. And that's what this kind of game, to me, represents and CJ Uzama said in his post-game press conference he was standing on the sidelines uh, and I'm not sure at what point during the game that it was but he said he was standing on the sidelines and he was emotional because he saw the connection of this team he saw how close everyone was and um, you know when you're winning it masks a lot of problems I'm not saying there that there is a lot of problems but this team is winning a lot of games right now and they're united, and they feel like they could be any team in the NFL right now. And, I, I mean, I kind of agree with them. <clears throat> and even Jamar Chase, who is obviously a rookie, um, he hasn't known necessarily the woes of the locker room the past few years when they're losing games 38-3 to the, to the Ravens. But when he was asked if he knew um, the impact of this win and the impact of what it meant to be the Baltimore Ravens in Baltimore, um, he said he was in the locker room. He just had to sit down and watch everybody celebrate. Because the guys that have been here, the guys that have been through those tough times and those tough losses, they know what it's like. They know what it's like to get their ass kicked. And to be able to be on the other end of that, the other end of the stick, I mean, it's something that, you know, it's just, it has to feel so freaking good. And it was led by this defense. I mean, this defense, five sacks on the day. Sam Hubbard with two and a half, Larry Ogunjobi, what a game he had. One and a half sacks. Trey Hendrickson added, added a sack. And I think my favorite part of the game was when Alejandro Villanueva, the Ravens starting tackle, uh, got called for a holding, which uh, wiped away, I believe, a Lamar Jackson 39-yard run. It did. And Trey Hendrickson pointed at the big board uh, in Alejandro's face and showed him the big board. He's saying, okay, that's you holding right there. I mean, I just love how much trash Trey Hendrickson talks. 
But this defense, they play out of their mind. Logan Wilson had a very good day. Uh, one tackle for loss. Uh, Jesse Bates had a very nice day. Akeem Davis Gaither had a really nice pass breakup on fourth and seven. Von Bell, um, he has some lapses in coverage, but overall it was a very good day. And, you know, it's just all of these pieces. I mean, you mentioned it. We've talked about it before. All of these pieces, they've come together. You got the right pieces from the winning cultures. Um, and they're doing it in a manner that I've just never quite seen before. And now that this offense seems to have finally caught up, it's going to be amazing. And it, the thing I love about it so much, and we talk about United and how connected this team is, is, you know, these players don't care who's getting the ball. They don't care who's making the big play. They care that those players are being made. Tyler Boyd was asked about it. I think it was after the Detroit game. He asked about his, um, you know, decreased targets over the past few games due to obviously Jamar Chase and T. Higgins being there. And he said, you know, you can't always – be happy you can't always get the ball 10 12 13 times a game but those other guys are making the plays when they do get the ball so it is what it is and as long as we're winning games that's fine and that's a that's the kind of teammate that you want because i want a guy who's going to support me no matter what who's going to be happy if that we're winning not the guy that's going to be selfish and say okay well this guy's getting targeted 10 times and i'm only getting targeted seven times no he's saying Oh, Jamar Chase just had 201 yards and a touchdown with a long, the longest one being 82 yards, breaking three tackles and doing a crazy spin move to get to the end zone. And I'm happy for him and celebrating. So, and there's a whole bunch of guys on this team that are just like that. And they don't care who's making the play as long as they're being made. And so, Zach Taylor, he's done a fantastic job getting this team all bought into his, uh, um, you know, his winning culture message. And Zach, Zach Taylor even said, he said he's had a lot of tough talks to this locker room he's had he's had to give a lot of tough speeches and you can tell that this team really took those seriously and they took it to heart and that they really do respect zach taylor and the message that he's trying to preach to this team it's almost surreal when zach taylor said that as you just brought up because it was so easy for us to you know just brush those aside all those messages he would give to the team in 2019 last year but you know what you know he saw something that we didn't see. And I stand here, to, I sit here today, you know, I apologize to Zach because I didn't know where this was going to go. I certainly didn't know two years ago. Think about this, Justin, you know, two years ago, I went to the Bengals game against the Ravens here in Cincinnati. And there was, the stadium was, you know, about 25% empty at kickoff maybe more by the start of the fourth quarter the ravens were up 49 to 10 and lamar jackson had that houdini like touchdown run which was played on repeat practically the rest of the, of the season there were about maybe 15,000 10,000 fans left by the start of the fourth quarter and brandon seho of wlwt uh said on twitter that this was a message to mike brown and the banner in the stadium that day says or said if you fix it, day will come. Well, you got to give the front office credit. The silver lining from that season was obviously landing the number one overall pick, Joe Burrow, generational talent, coming off one of the best, if not the best quarterbacking season in the history of college football at LSU that year. And the front office, they didn't just stop there. No, they got him pieces on offense with T. Higgins, Jamar Chase, they got him, you know, complimentary pieces on defense. And for as much as we've questioned Zach Taylor, 
and this front office about some of the decisions they've made personnel-wise, you know what? They have paid off massive dividends. You bring up Sam Hubbard, a guy who was was awarded an extension in the offseason, four years, $48 million. Four sacks on the season, two and a half yesterday. Might be the best game of his career. Finally starting to play up to his contract. Trey Hendrickson leads the NFL in pressures, six and a half sacks on the season. You could argue just in that sack he had on Lamar Jackson in the third quarter, on third down and, um, what was it, third down and eight, that was the turning point of the game because the Bengals scored their next drive. And then you look at all the other free agent acquisitions. Larry Ogunjobi had a sack and a half yesterday. You look at Jadobia Wuzie, great in coverage yesterday. Even Eli Apple had a nice play in coverage yesterday, forcing Marquise Brown uh, out of bounds on an attempted catch. And you think about offensively, you know, the draft classes that the Bengals have had the last three years. Jonah Williams starting to finally come around. Struggled yesterday, but only making his second start against the Ravens. That's fine. Going up against Justin Houston, no less. We know Joe Burrow was ahead. Drew Sample. Justin, how about that block he had on Calais Campbell on the first touchdown pass to Uzama? That was huge. And, I mean, for someone who hasn't really had a great year in Drew Sample, I think... I don't even know how many catches he's had, maybe a handful. But that's what they brought him in for in the second round was to be that marquee blocking tight end. And that's a perfect example of it, and that was huge. Yeah, the offensive the offensive line to me yesterday was really, really good. And Joe Burrow's pocket presence yesterday was maybe the best it's been his entire career. It, it, it was unbelievable and surreal to watch because, like we said, we're just like, okay, we think the Bengals are better equipped to compete against the Ravens. Oh, uh, Okay. Blow them out by 24 points? Eh, pipe dream. No, reality. And then you look at the other recent draft picks. T. Higgins, massive hit. Now, he did struggle yesterday, but he did make some critical catches. I will give him credit for that, and he's been tremendous last year and this year so far. And then you think about Logan Wilson and Akeem Davis-Gaither. You think this year, Jamar Chase, home run hit. I I can't believe that... If there are people out there that still think the Bengals made a mistake drafting Jamar Chase, no, they didn't. Colin Coward brought up a great point today with Jeff Schwartz on his show. Colin said that he talked to an executive in the offseason. And in this day and age of football, Justin, if you have the choice between a wide receiver and an offensive lineman, only one of those positions catches the football. And in this day and age, when offense is king, at least in the regular season, that's what you need to do. Is draft a wide receiver in Jamar Chase. And you bring up Tyler Boyd, who only had four receptions for 39 yards yesterday. I thought it was less than that, honestly. The thing to think about is, I was thinking about this yesterday. When the Bengals drafted Jamar Chase, I think it should have sent a message that this is the guy they intend to be their number one wide receiver. And I didn't, and I was wondering, how does Tyler Boyd feel about that? You know, how does. How does, oh, how does Tyler Boyd feel about that after being here for five years through all the losing that they've experienced and, you know, for him to kind of now take on a, a lesser role? But even after the Green Bay game where he wasn't targeted a whole lot, you didn't hear a peep from him because, again, Jamar Chase was the reason why they had chances in that game to win. Jamar Chase was the reason why offensively outside of Joe Burrow they won yesterday. 
And, and I think that, again, again, it speaks to the culture. The Bengals knew where they were after the Green Bay game. You didn't hear Tyler Boyd talk about, well, I didn't, get the, I didn't get X amount of targets and I got only this amount of targets. No, you didn't hear that. You heard, you know, all positives coming out of that building. And they, Justin, to their credit, they did not let that Green Bay loss deter them whatsoever. Last two weeks, they've outscored Detroit and Baltimore by 47 points. And their offense is finally starting to come around. It, it, it's surreal how far this organization has come from rock bottom two years ago against that Baltimore game. Absolutely. And, I mean, would you rather have 600 yards and, um, you know, make the playoffs and maybe make a big playoff run, or would you rather have 1,000 yards and only win four games? I mean, not saying that, you know, he can't have it. not saying they're mutually exclusive, but, I mean, you know what I mean. I mean, they have so many weapons. Jamar Chase is having one of the best rookie wide receiver seasons through seven games of all time, has the most receiving yards of any rookie through seven games. So it's like, that's why he's not being selfish. That's why he's not upset about that, or at least externally he's not being upset about that. And it's just, it's just so unselfish, and it's so amazing to see. And it's funny because Tyler Boyd has always been that kind of guy in the locker room who I feel like has always been somewhat of a glue who's always been out there um, in press conferences, going to bat for the coaches and other players and, you know, not pulling this game apart. And so for him to have come out now and have a little bit of a lesser role and still being that guy is amazing to see because in the other seasons, it might have been easy for him because he was getting all the targets. Um, You know, he was having a 1,000-yard seasons and he was uh, being talked about as one of the best slot wide receivers in the entire NFL, which is probably not those conversations are happening as much this season obviously with his limited role but it could be very it's very easy for him to come out and say he's frustrated with his lack of targets um that he wants to ball more that um you know he's open or whatever it may be but he's not doing that and it's um it just preaches to the message that zach taylor is sending to this locker room that um you guys have to be a cohesive unit you have to be a together unit and it's like a family and that's essentially what i think it is right now by the way, Tyler Boyd ha- only has three fewer receptions than Jamar Chase. It's funny. That's so, I mean, it's crazy to think that Jamar Chase only has, what, 24 receptions on the season? 35. Is it 35? It's 35 receptions. But, again, you think about just, you know, I, I saw this stat today. Yards per attempt on throws to Jamar Chase, 14.8. That's a first down and a half. Yards per reception, 20.1. It's unbelievable what Jamar Chase has done to this offense and how effortlessly he makes it. It's just so, it's just, it looks almost too easy for him. I mean, and that's, I don't see Panay Sewell going out there and uh, catching all these touchdown passes. No, I'm just kidding. I mean, but yeah, it definitely was the right pick and no one's even having that conversation anymore. And, um, you know, I just want to go back. So the Ravens were averaging 155 yards um, prior to this game, which was, I believe, third in the NFL in rushing yards per game for a team. And giving up 12 carries for 88 yards to Lamar Jackson. We all know what Lamar Jackson is, what he can do with his legs. 88 yards, honestly, is pretty good. But then you look at the rest of the team. Devontae Freeman, four, run, four carries for 14 yards and a touchdown. Tyson Williams, two carries for 10 yards. Le'Veon Bell, five carries for five yards. Devin Duvernay, one carry for negative two yards. 
I mean, that is fantastic defense. I'm completely fine with giving up 88 yards on the ground to Lamar Jackson. You gave up 115 rushing yards to the third best rushing team, one of the best rushing teams in the last 10 years. And you gave up 115 yards and didn't let any of them get over 100 yards. I mean, that is fantastic. And to have that many sacks who absolutely abuse their offensive line, this pass rush is serious. And Sam Hubbard, I've kind of been questioning him this year after getting the big contract. Um, he, Like I said, he's always been getting the run game, not as great of a pass rusher. To go out there and get two and a half sacks and have to have your interior defensive lineman, Larry Okajobi, at one and a half, and Trey Hendrickson, six and a half sacks on the season. He's everything as advertised. He's just as good as what he was last year in New Orleans. Um, and I, I hate the conversation that people had saying Trey Hendrickson was only good because people were doubling Cam Jordan. Um, they weren't worried about Trey Hendrickson, so they weren't trying to double-team him and all that stuff. That's the only reason why he had so many sacks. No, he got that many sacks because he's a very, very talented edge rusher. He's very, very good. And I think he took that to heart. And now he's one of the best edge rushers in all of football right now. I mean, he has six and a half sacks. So this team, this defense is going to lead this team to the playoffs um, if they continue to play that the way that they do. And, um, you know, I would like to see the running game get a little bit better, uh, get going a little bit more but i'm not saying that the rushing game was bad um yesterday i mean samaj p run obviously ripped off that 46 yard rushing touchdown joe mixon had a 21 yard rushing touchdown so they had their plays but um be more consistent on the ground and get joe mixon and samaj p run involved more in the passing game um and then this offense is going to be completely um impossible to handle you mentioned um the defensive line sam hubbard the one thing you can question what he's done this season. One thing he has. In both division games, Justin, he has shown up. He has shown up against the Steelers and the Ravens so far this season. Agreed? Oh, completely agreed. Not even, not even a question. Okay, that right that right there is a huge plus. And hopefully he only gets better. He, if he can build off of this kind of game, look out. Because then you have an edge rusher on both sides of the ball Combined with Larry Ogunjobi, who knows how to play in this division, I think he's going to be a big key to the Browns game in two weeks. And then you factor in B.J. Hill, and then your depth with Josh Tupou, and D.J. Reader, who had a nice game yesterday. Justin, the one thing that stood out to me, and yeah, Lamar Jackson had 88 yards rushing on 12 carries. Fine. He's that good. You heard, Logan Will you heard what Logan Wilson said leading up to this game. He's a running back playing quarterback. Okay. But the one thing that stood out to me is... It, nothing came easy for Lamar Jackson. He was under duress the entire game. The Bengals pressured him relentlessly. That That's what stood out to me the most. Nothing came easy to him. And then in the last two seasons, everything to him, except in maybe the first game last season, everything for him and everything for the Ravens offense, particularly their ground attack, came very, very easy. Here's one thing that has not been mentioned. The last time we the Bengals played the Ravens, Justin, they gave up 404 yards rushing. Absolutely gashed at the point of attack. That decreased yesterday by 289 yards. Remarkable how far this defense has come in, in, in not even a year. The last time the Bengals played the Ravens, 404 yards rushing. You can say they didn't have anybody out there on defense. And yes, that might be true. But again, the front office realizing, you know what? We need to get some players so we can compete with the Ravens. Enter Trey Hendrickson, 
Enter Larry Ogunjobi. Enter Von Bell. Enter Mike Hilton. Whomever. Just a remarkable job that this front office has done while Lou Anaruma was done to stay the course. You gotta love what you're seeing. I do. And I love the fact that this AFC conference is not very good right now. They're not very good. I mean, they obviously have some good teams, but I mean, do you really think that the Raiders or the Titans are one of the best teams in the NFL? I, I mean, I, I don't sorry, mean to, I don't mean to burst your bubble, but I do think Tennessee is a team to fear. I mean, they're obviously, they have a plethora of weapons on offense. Don't get me wrong, but I mean, I, I would take this Bengals offense over the Titans any day. And I'm just, to be fair, I'm not really worried about the other teams in the AFC right now. And, Including Buffalo? So, well, obviously for some as some exceptions. Buffalo, I that's probably one of the only teams I'm actually very scared about. But um, I think with the Bengals' schedule the rest of the year, and considering the fact that this AFC is not as strong, nearly as strong as the NFC is right now, um, you know, I'm just loving our chances right now. I mean, I, I hate to get ahead of myself. We're not even halfway through the season. But at 5-2... and two, 2-0 and in the division, and you're looking ahead, and you're looking at the schedule, and you're like, can we do it? Can the Bengals actually do it and maybe even secure the number one spot in the entire AFC? I mean, it's possible to me. I think it's very possible. And obviously, who knows with injuries um, and just th- things get crazy toward the end of the year. I mean, th- nothing's ever guaranteed, but um, this is just a small step and the trail for the Bengals to get exactly where they want to be and it's just it's exciting it's very very exciting and I just I don't know I, I there's you can't even really put it into words and I and at this point I'm just like dang I wish I don't know understand how we lost to the Chicago Bears on the road a team that has struggled mightily yeah that has not done very well how do we lose to the Bears we could be six and one right now I understand the Packers loss even though we should have won that game but to lose to the Bears, we could be six and one. Yeah, That's what this team could be right now. And you know, when you when you have a good record and you're competing with a bunch of teams, you're gonna do that. You're gonna you're gonna look back as a fan and say, "Man, if only we had won that game, or how'd we lose that game?" Whatever. And and that's common. But you know, to your point, Justin, nothing's off the table right now. You know, the sky is the limit for this team. I I I think that there are still some teams in the AFC that may end up getting the number one seed. Tennessee has a very favorable schedule the rest of the way, and the way they play football, I think they can beat every team on their schedule except maybe the Rams. I look at Buffalo, you know, they're incredibly dynamic offensively. Their defense is rock solid. They had a bad game against Tennessee on that side of the ball, but only lost that game because of Josh Allen slipping on a fourth down conversion attempt at the end of the game. But Justin, I I cannot believe that we have gone this whole show without talking about Joe Burrow's performance yesterday. 416 yards. is Justin, is it time for two things? One, to for him to finally get the national attention that Justin Herbert gets, that Patrick Mahomes gets, that Josh Allen gets, Tom Brady, Aaron Rodgers, etc. And should Joe Burrow be in the MVP conversation? I don't know if I'd go as far as say he should be in the MVP conversation right now. I mean, he did have a, I don't want to say a slow start to the year, but a slower start than what I think a lot of us were expecting. Um, there's still too many players in the NFL right now that are having amazing seasons. Josh Allen, Kyler Murray, 
a guy that I think could very easily win the uh, the Heisman, the MVP. Um, so maybe when it gets to that time toward the end of the year, I, you know, I, we might be saying that Joe Burrow could be an MVP favorite. But right now, I, I'm still thinking some other guys are still a little more deserving. Um, but as far as national attention, there's no doubt in my mind that Joe Burrow should be talked about as one of the best quarterbacks in the entire NFL right now. I mean, 23 of 38, 416 yards, three touchdowns. He did have that one really bad interception. He was getting a ton of pressure in his face. He rolled back and just threw it up for Jamar Chase right into the hands of Marlon Humphrey, Marlon Humphrey in the back of the end zone. So I'd love to see him cut down on those kind of silly turnovers. But considering one interception when he's met, when he's had games this year where he threw three and a, were some really bad interceptions. Not saying that this interception wasn't bad, but he's definitely cutting down on them. And I think that as the season progresses, he's going to keep learning and learning and he'll get better and better. And I mean, obviously he's going to start cutting down on those. So I'm not too worried about it, but Joe Burrow right now is one of the best quarterbacks in the entire NFL. Even Justin Herbert are shining stars. And I don't want to say that, um, you know, I don't think that you have to talk about Joe Burrow and not Justin Herbert or just Justin Herbert and not Joe Burrow. I think they can, you can talk very highly of both of those guys. I mean, they're both very talented quarterbacks leading their teams to, you know, very, very good seasons. And they both have young head coaches and, you know, they're at where they're at respectively for their own two teams. So um, I think both will go on to have amazing careers. And I'm glad that they're both getting the attention that they deserve. Um, I don't know if I want to say that they're both as good as Aaron Rodgers or Tom Brady or those, you know, the greats, the greatest of all time quarterbacks in the NFL history, but I think that they're on their way there here in a few short seasons. Joe Burrow right now sixth in the NFL in passing yards, 1,956. He's tied for fourth in the NFL with 17 touchdown passes, 13th in QBR at 59.6. Last five games, or four games, excuse me. Actually, yeah, his last four games. 348, 281, 271, 416 passing yards. Because early on, he wasn't throwing for many yards. The Bengals won two out of their first three games, but he wasn't prolific that we all expected him to be when he came into this organization last year. But the last four games, three and one record, maybe should be four and oh, uh, he's just been, you know, slinging it. I mean, he's got um, 10 touchdown passes over his last three games, he's got nine touchdown passes over his last three road games. And this is what we expected to see from Joe Burrow. You know, the progression in year two to take a massive step forward. And that's exactly what he has done. The interceptions, yes, you know, he's got nine inter eight interceptions tied for 29th in the league. But a lot of them, including yesterday, Justin, you know, he's being aggressive. Now, the one yesterday I didn't like. You know, he, he just take the sack, throw the ball away, whatever. But we're seeing just, you know, the command he has in the pocket, the trust he has with Jamar Chase. You know, C.J. Uzama and him have developed a nice rapport over the last four weeks. Uzama has five touchdowns in the last four games. Two games, he has multiple touchdown receptions. He's had a touchdown in each of his last two games. And you talk about the weapon he is over the middle of the field. Okay, now you got to worry about that. So you got to have a safety in the middle, but then you can't bring that safety over the top to double-team Jamar Chase. I mean, how the hell do you defend this offense? And to your point, Justin, what AFC team is going to feel what AFC team is going to be comfortably favored and expected to beat this team? It's not just the North. The Bengals can win this division. Absolutely, they can. They've got the web. They've got the team to do it. But I will say this: the Ravens. This could just be an anomaly for them. They played so well the last five weeks. 
prior to yesterday. With the Week 16 game in Cincinnati could be a very, very crucial game for the division title. Oh, just oh, just imagine that, Justin. How great that crowd's going to be. And I'm kind of upset. You know, these tickets are starting to get expensive. I was looking at the Bengals-Browns game here in a few weeks, and those tickets started at like 160 bucks. Wow. I'm like, dang. I mean, I love the Bengals winning. I love them being good. But, I mean, geez, I can't even afford a ticket right now. Maybe uh, maybe talk to Adam Backman Jones of how to disguise yourself to get in. I'll, I'll have to do that. I mean, I'll just sneak myself into Paul Brown Stadium and try and find find a seat, an open seat. But, expect, expect, yeah. but I mean, at this point, they're probably all sold out, so one, I don't even expect to see. <laughs> one final uh, thing to note, Jamar Chase, and obviously the debate between to draft him or Spinezo, which is dead, but I bring this up because if you're worried about the offensive line, let me throw this out to you. One sack yesterday the Ravens defense had. One sack after having seven on Joe Burrow last year. One sack, only seven, Justin, in the last five games. Only seven times has Joe Burrow been sacked. That's a credit to Frank Pollock, and that's a credit to this front office, you know, doing what they can to give Joe Burrow weapons. And also the signing of Riley Reef has been huge. Staying patient with Jonah Williams has been huge. And believing in Quentin Spain, Trey Hopkins, drafting Jackson Carmen, trading down for him getting depth with Trey Hill, that's a testament to what this organization has done. They are all in on Joe Burrow. Contrary to what some might think, they're all in on Joe Burrow. Real quick, Justin, uh, biggest storyline outside of the Bengals yesterday in the NFL, to me, it has to be what Tennessee did to Kansas City. They absolutely pummeled them. Physically, emotionally, maybe spiritually. I mean, whew, that's a big-time win for the Tennessee Titans right there. Uh, and I'll just say this. The Jets are abysmal. Now, I'm not trying to get overconfident, but you have to think the Bengals should win that game by 25 points next week. Oh, I mean, I think that discussion, I mean, we had the discussion about whether or not the Bengals will play down to the Lions, and then they beat them by, what, 23 points? And so if you think that we're going into New York and going to play down to the Jets, who have had maybe even a worse season, you know, they've won one more game, but they've had maybe a worse season than Detroit and now they lost Zach Wilson, which I still think we would have absolutely smacked them even with him. Oh yeah. I mean, it's, it's, I don't want to get ahead of myself, but it's not going to be close. Biggest storyline from the NFL yesterday, besides the Bengals for you. Uh, I would say the chiefs Titans game. I mean, the fact that the chiefs could even miss the playoffs. I mean, there's still a lot of season left to be played a lot of games, but Tennessee beating them 27 to three. And Patrick Mahomes going down with a possible concussion. I do think that he came back in the game and was perfectly fine. But this Chiefs team just looks out of sorts. They just look not in sync. They look like they haven't been to the Super Bowl the last two years. I mean, it just makes no sense to me how they've been so bad at Andy Reid. Um, it's going to be interesting to see what he does with this team because I just don't know how you even pull a team back from that bad of losses. I mean, 27-3 to is so bad. Um, I'd say the other story storyline that I really liked was Jared Goff going to L.A., maybe getting his first win against, um, you know, of the season against his former team, him and the uh, whole drama with uh, Jared Goff and Sean McVay. Uh, it was fun watching Dan Campbell going for the onside kicks and yeah. fake punts. Um, unfortunately, they lost 28-19, to but I thought that was a very fun game. Um, and the Rams are rolling right now. They're one of the best teams, if not the best team in the entire NFL at 6-1. and Matthew Stafford playing out of his mind. 28 of 41, 334, and three touchdowns, no interceptions. Cooper Cup might be the best wide receiver in the NFL right now, and that's a team that I would be scared to play. But hey, 
we're not going to be playing them in the playoffs, so that's good with me, unless we make it to the Super Bowl. That's true, and that would be in their home stadium, too. That'd be cool. Um, and Zach Taylor's former team, by the way, and employer, Sean McVay. By the way, congratulations to Tom Brady. 600 touchdown passes now in his career. Uh, he just continues to amaze at age 44. That's going to do it for us. Thank you for listening. Bengals 41-17 winners yesterday over the Ravens, now 5-2. and two. We'll be back later in the week to preview their matchup in Week 8 at the New York Jets. For Justin Cashman, I'm Alex Frank. Thank you for listening to the Welcome to the Jungle podcast, and we will talk to you later this week.